Our scripture reading today comes from John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and then we will continue the story with verses 12 through 16. My family has been in the habit of making sure we all have our Bibles on the couch and take a moment, pause right now, and open your Bible to John chapter 12. It's toward the back, the back quarter of your Bible, but I always say don't be afraid of the table of contents. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And then we'll pick up the story with verses 12 through 16. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Picking up the story with verse 12, the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your King is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. With the oldest of my three boys now being 14 years old, conversations in our house have started around driver's licenses and first cars. And with my 14-year-old talking about his dream car that he wants when he turns 16, of course, my 9-year-old and 11-year-old are there too. And so often as we drive around town now, we start checking out cars. And one of the boys will say, oh, man, it'd be cool to drive that pickup truck with the lift kit on it. Or, man, can you imagine getting that sports car when you're 16? And my job as a dad is just sort of to keep people grounded in reality. And I keep saying to my son, Hudson, Hudson, if you get a car when you turn 16, it's going to be mom's old minivan. All the dents, all the smells, all the stained floor mats, it's all going to be yours, and you're going to love it. But I get it. I get why my kid is dreaming about his first car. Cars that we drive, the vehicles we choose, they communicate something to the world around us. They share something about ourselves to the world that we live in. I mean, for example, look at the President of the United States. The President of the United States rides around in a limo called the Beast. And while the limo drives around, while the President is in the Beast, he's flanked by a fleet of black SUVs with men in suits and machine guns ready at any minute to take on the world. It says something. It communicates something. I mean, think of the opposite. Imagine if the President of the United States showed up for an important meeting driving a smart car, flanked by Secret Service agents on scooters. 
that would communicate something different. That would say something else to the world around them. It's why in proms and weddings and college dances, we rent fancy cars or borrow ones from our relatives. One of my classmates in high school drove his date to prom in his dad's Lamborghini. I drove my date to prom in my sister's Ford Taurus. We each made a statement. And so as we come to the triumphal entry in the book of John, as we come to Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, I think it's important that we notice that the vehicle he chose was a donkey. His mode of transportation was a baby donkey. And he wanted to communicate something to the world. He wanted to communicate something to the crowd. He wanted to communicate something to us. Let's look at this scene. Let's make sure we, we really grasp it. The crowds were immense in Jerusalem. They had gathered for the Passover festival and feast. We're talking about hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people crammed into the little city of Jerusalem. They had traveled not just from all over Israel, but all over the region to be there for the Passover feast. And as the city swelled in number and as there was hustle and bustle in the streets, there was something that everybody was talking about. No, there was someone that everyone was talking about. The shop owners, the street vendors, the moms and dads, the kids playing in the streets, the Pharisees and the commoners, they were all talking about Jesus. Did you hear about the guy that turned water into wine? Did you hear about the guy that turned water into the wine? No, I, I heard about the guy that walked on water. Walked on water. I heard of this guy, Jesus. He helped a guy who couldn't walk. He started to walk. Man, I saw Jesus heal somebody too. He was blind since birth and now he could see. Oh, well, you think that's amazing. What about the time we were all hanging out with Jesus and we were listening to him teach and we all got hungry and all of a sudden he multiplied a few loaves of bread and a couple fish into a feast for all of us? Oh my goodness, this guy's incredible. And then one story topped them all. One guy came and said, yeah, well, you won't believe this. Just a few miles down the road, there was a guy named Lazarus, and he died. We had his funeral and everything. We wrapped him in cloth. We anointed his body. We stuck him in a tomb. We sealed it shut. And four days after he died, Jesus showed up, rolled the stone away, and said, Lazarus, come on out. And he did. Everybody was talking about Jesus. Everybody was talking about Jesus. The crowd was stirred up. There was a man named Jesus and they were ready for Jesus to rescue them. They were ready for Jesus to take on Rome and rescue them and return them to being a, a, a nation and a city and a people ruled by themselves and ruled by God. Everyone was talking about Jesus. Well, the crowds heard that Jesus was coming. The crowds heard that he was coming to town with his disciples. And they, they went out and they grabbed palm branches. And they lined the streets. And they began to wave their palms. And they shouted, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he, our King of Israel. Imagine the scene for a moment. 
Listen to the crowd, the sound of the palms, the roar of the people. These were all nationalistic symbols. These were all political cries. The palm branches had become symbols of national uh, winning wars and and national triumph and, and victory. The word Hosanna was a Hebrew word that combined the the phrases praise to you and save us. They were words that they were yelling to Jesus that he would save them from their Roman rule, from the oppression that they felt. They were all phrases that were aimed at a, a warring, valiant, mighty king. A Messiah that would come in and and fight for them and lead them in battle. A strong, mighty Messiah king that would come and conquer Rome and, and, and leave them in a place of independence. But it's interesting. It's interesting that in this very moment... As the crowds are yelling, here comes our king. As the crowds are are screaming their anthems of Israel and, and yelling that their warrior king has come. John tells us that it was then that Jesus went and looked for his ride. It was then that Jesus went and looked for his vehicle. And what did he choose? John tells us that he chose a young donkey, a baby donkey, a frail, skinny donkey, and Jesus sets himself on top of this little donkey and begins to ride the streets as people wave their palms and declare, here comes our mighty warrior king. Can you imagine how silly that actually must have looked to see Jesus on a baby donkey? I mean, I was trying to think through how I could set this picture in our minds, and I, I remembered back to when Susie and I lived in Honduras. We were teachers in Honduras our first two years after we got married. And whenever there was a long weekend or a school holiday, we would travel throughout Honduras and parts of Central America to see the beautiful countryside and meet more people. And one long weekend, we went to a city called Copan, where you can visit the southernmost Mayan ruins But some of the ruins are most easily accessible via horseback. And so we we paid a a young uh, guy to to give us some horses, our friends and Susie and I. And first they brought out Susie's horse. And uh, it looked like a pretty decent horse. And Susie got on it. And as Susie does, she laughed the whole time and enjoyed her ride. And and then this Honduran man brought out my horse. And, uh, well, it, it, it wasn't a very big horse. And I looked at him and I said, are you sure this horse can carry me? And he said, oh yeah, this is my horse. This horse can carry you. And as I looked at eye level, no, actually, I looked way above the horse's eyes. I wondered if it was going to carry me. And Susie actually stopped partway down the road and took a picture of me riding this little horse. If I took my seat out of the stirrups, I could drag them on the ground. In fact, about a half mile into a six-mile journey... My horse stopped. It just stopped and it looked at me and said, I should be riding you, Rich. You should not be riding me. And I ran the five miles of this journey next to my horse to the the Mayan ruins. But it was ridiculous. 
We laughed for years about this horse. And this is the picture that's in my mind as as Jesus grabs this frail, young, skinny donkey. As the crowds are yelling, here comes our mighty warrior. Jesus is on a baby donkey. And, And I wonder, I wonder the statement he wants to make. But this is the statement I think he's trying to make. This is what he's trying to communicate to the crowds when he picks his vehicle of choice. He says, you want me to free you from Rome, but I have come to free you from sin. You want me to save you from others. I have come to save you from yourself. You want me to conquer the world. I have come to conquer death. You want me to fight, but I have come to bring peace. You want me to reside as king of this nation, but I want to be king of your life. You want me to take control, but I have come to surrender. You want me to be crowned, but I have come to be killed. You see, I wonder, as Jesus sat on that baby donkey and rode through those crowded streets, if if people began to whisper something else. If people began to turn to those on their left and right and say, is is this the guy that did all that? Is is this the the mighty warrior that we're supposed to follow? Is, Is this guy on the baby donkey the one that's supposed to be our mighty warrior king that's gonna free us from Rome? I wonder if people were disappointed. Certainly, John tells us that people didn't understand why Jesus picked a little donkey. They were expecting, I think, at least a horse, probably a war horse, a mighty stallion, strong and beautiful and powerful. But Jesus was making a statement. He was saying to the crowd that that I am not the king that you want. I am not the king that you desire. But I am indeed the king that you need. Even his disciples didn't understand this. John adds his own commentary to the chapter in verse 16 when he says, we didn't understand what Jesus was doing until after his death and resurrection. And there seems to be so much confusion in this passage and disappointment when Jesus picks his ride as a baby donkey that I think we need to pause for a moment and ask ourselves some questions. What kind of king do we expect Jesus to be? That even as Jesus rides his donkey into Jerusalem, he's riding his donkey into our lives, into our living rooms, into our homes, into our hearts, and he's asking us these questions. He's saying, do you want a king that simply rescues you from your circumstances? Or do you want a king that rescues you from your sin? Do we want a king that merely fixes our earthly situations or do we want a king that will secure our eternal one? Do we want a king that will give us success or do we want a king that will offer us salvation? Are you looking for a king to defeat your enemies or a king that can defeat death? Jesus is not the king that people expected. Maybe not even the king that they wanted, but he is absolutely the king that they need 
And Jesus is the king that we need too. For all the people in the story that don't understand this yet, there's one person that does. Her name is Mary. And John tells us that the night before Jesus entered Jerusalem, that there was a dinner party. Jesus was there, the disciples were there, Mary and Martha were there, and Lazarus. Lazarus, the man that had been dead for four days, he was there too, sitting at the table, reclining with Jesus, eating the food. And as they all sat together enjoying this wonderful supper, Mary brings an alabaster jar filled with sweet, expensive perfume to Jesus' feet. And she doesn't just use a few drops, but she she breaks the jar open and she pours it on Jesus' feet and she undoes her hair and she washes and touches his feet with her hair and, and moves this perfume and his ointment into his skin. This, this jar of perfume, this was, this was something that would have cost a year's wages. It was, it was the family's security. It was their family heirloom, their prized possession. And yet, even as the disciples rebuke her, Jesus looks at her because he knows that this was an extraordinary act of humility. This was an incredible act of worship. This was an astonishing posture of surrender. And in doing this, Mary was giving herself fully and entirely to Jesus, no matter the cost, no matter the condition. Mary was giving herself completely to Jesus because she understood, she understood that in order to unbury us, Jesus had to bury himself. That in order to interrupt our funerals, Jesus had to have his own funeral. In order to bring us life, Jesus had to sacrifice his. Mary understood that Jesus came into Jerusalem not to win the people freedom from Rome, but freedom from sin. Freedom from death. And Mary understood that Jesus' ultimate statement to the world would not be his body on a donkey, but his body nailed to a cross, dying so that we might have life. This Palm Sunday, as Jesus rides his donkey into our homes and into our hearts, may we declare, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. Save us from our sin. Save us from ourselves. And may we declare Jesus as king of our lives and not just give him our palms and our praises, but like Mary, give him our whole selves. And in doing so, may we find life in Jesus, true life in Jesus, our humble yet all-powerful king, who rode a donkey to his death so that we might have life.